Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is June 26th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. I did you a disservice yesterday. I, I for whatever reason, my I had a brain fart. Uh, I did not put out the podcast. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you two podcasts back-to-back today. All right, we're going to record one right now that is me talking about everything that happened in Saturday's pitchers because I feel like, for a lot of people, it's a good way to get your summary of what happened. So you're going to see two Plus Pitch podcasts on the feed today. I apologize for the confusion, uh, but yeah, we're going to do this. So Bobby Miller, four innings, six earned runs, 10 hits, three walks, three Ks. This was against the Astros. I watched this one. Uh, and sure, the command wasn't as good as we have seen in the past, but man, it was such a ridiculous fifth inning nightmare. And I really don't think that this is a sign of Bobby Miller being one of those prospects that just, oh, we thought he was good and he was he isn't anymore. I truly believe in what Bobby Miller does. I think it's a phenomenal slider. I think the, the command of the fastballs inside is so good. And you guys know how much I love O-Swing on sinkers and fastballs. Um, against same-handed batters, and I think Bobby Miller has that with an elite secondary in that slider as well, and also we've seen the changeup and curveball come alive too. So Bobby Miller to me is still a legitimate top 30 pitcher. Probably going to have to lower him a little from the list this past week just because that was two in a row of this opportunity. Maybe I'm not uh, weighing that too uh, enough, but I really do think that Bobby Miller is a very, very special pitcher. Uh, Luis Severino went on Saturday against the Rangers. Six innings, zero earned runs, five hits, two walks, four Ks. And this was not nearly as good as that line looks. I was actually at this game and my friend noticed that uh, he's a pitcher. That Severino's mechanics were slowing down when he was throwing a changeup or a cutter. And then sped up with a fastball. And I do wonder if that's kind of part of the reason with Severino is that not only would the Rangers maybe pick up on that or other teams have been. And that's why those pitches were not good. Cutters returned six over 16 strikes and the changeup went one for 25 whiffs. But also the fact that if Severino is not being consistent with every single pitch, it's harder to get into a rhythm. You're just doing different things. So I, I wonder if that's something that can be like, hey... Um, you gotta, you gotta really go one speed and sure you can obviously like, you don't want to go max effort every time, but like have a thing that you do every single time. It's just a grip and release point, you know? Uh, so I'm feeling a little weird about Severino. I still think the fastball is good. This was not, this was a really like laborious and like, I'm amazed that he was able to go six innings shut out here. That's just kind of the Rangers being weird at the moment. Uh, but yeah, Severino is a little scary to me. He's going to fall on the list even after this good start. Uh, Griffin Canning in cores was so good. Uh, six innings shutout, four innings, zero, zero walks and seven Ks. Got the gold star. 39% fastballs in this, which I, I talk a lot about the secondaries having to be really good uh, to be able to have Canning succeed. But to be able to do this with 39% fastballs is actually really good. The changeups are great. Sliders got whiffs. 
Curveball's got strikes. He does get the Arizona Diamondbacks and Dodgers next, and I'm still a little worried about that. Uh, it might be a case where you can leave Canning on the wire and then return to him after the All-Star break. Because uh, keep in mind also, um, Canning being a part of a six-man rotation, he'll get those two starts, and then he's in the back end of that rotation, so then it'll be another week until you see him again. So it's really like three weeks or so, maybe even four, that you're not going to see Canning, which is rough, but he will become a good add, I think, at the end of July. Uh, Josiah Gray against the Dodgers also could have gotten a gold star. Same with Brian Hoeing, and I'll talk, you know, I'll go more into detail about Hoeing in a second. Against the Padres, uh, you saw Josiah Gray try to go sinkers um, instead of cutters and, uh, and fastballs as really the main pitches. Now, the cutter was effective for 4 for 12 whiffs, but the sinker really was that thing, and I don't really think that the sinker is the answer to Josiah Gray figuring out how to find, uh, create a foundation to allow his slider really sore. Now, it was a 43% CSW, so maybe I should just kind of ignore what I think about and what he's doing, but uh, the sweeper went just nine, 11, sorry, 9 for 22 strikes, and this was 4 walks, 4 hits, 6 Ks, 0 runs, 5.1 innings against the Padres, and honestly, I think any Padres fan will tell you about their struggles with men on base this uh, past week or so. And uh, Josiah Gray, I guess, got fortunate with that. I, I, I really don't think that you should be going for Josiah Gray in your fantasy teams. Uh, Brian Hoeing went against the Pirates and actually turned into a really good stream. I remember actually when I was doing my rankings, like thinking to myself, should I, should I be raising Hoeing a little bit? Because here's the thing. He did go limited 65 pitches. And I felt like that was really the aspect that was like, okay, Hoeing isn't going to go long in this one. And he does not have electric stuff. He went five innings, zero and runs, zero hits. Three walks, two Ks. How does Homing do that? Well, if you see a line like that, where you see zero hits and like two strikeouts, you can probably guess what the guy does. It's usually not going to be a four-seam focused guy because four-seamers are more either, they're more risk-reward in general than sinkers are. Sinkers are trying to go for fewer strikeouts for more weaker contact in general. And that's what Homing does really well. He's a right-hander. He sits, stands all the way on the, the third base side of the rubber um, and tries to jam right-handers endlessly with the sinker. It's a power sinker, right? Mid-90s, he has a decent command for it, and that's really all he goes for. The slider is this big loopy one that is not going to be like, oh my gosh, look at that. It is not that big bite pitch. It really feels like a Gosman slider. For those that are familiar with that, they're like, oh no, yeah, that's not a good pitch. I'm like, I know, I know. And a changeup that can work paired off of the sinker uh, for Brian Hoeing, but it, it's just not really the kind of guy I want to go for. Now, I do want to mention those three walks are a product of Hoeing not giving in to batters. He's very much like, I have this sinker, and I'm just going to make you chase it out of the zone, or I'm going to make my pitches, and I'm very terrified to throw the sinker like down the middle, which is good, because sinkers down the middle are really, really bad. I think it's the worst pitch you can throw down the middle. So it might be one of those Dallas Keuchel like neckbeard things. Hoeing really needs a cutter. He needs a cutter that he can throw inside to right-handers. If he doesn't have that, he's going to continue to be a really good hit uh, pitcher against right-handers, but I think lefties are where he's going to struggle the most. And keep that in mind moving forward. If you see a right-handed heavy lineup, Hoeing might be a better play there than against a team that can throw a ton of lefties at him. Justin Steele. Went in the London game for the Cubs, and his second start back from the IL was magnificent against the Cardinals. Got the win, six innings, one earned run, five hits, one walk, eight Ks, 89 pitches here. And now, it was only a 21% CSW and eight whiffs. I said it was magnificent based on the line, 
But the actuality of this was that his slider is not at its peak. Three out of 22 slider whiffs is not it. And the four-seamer, honestly, was either really foul or it went for strikeouts, I guess, and outs. Like, it was strange. The Cardinals did not take advantage of him, and then he got these later at-bats, and then he was able to put them away effectively in those moments. But overall, it was to get to two strikes with a lot of foul balls, and then all of a sudden he put them away, right? Only eight whiffs on eight strikeouts, which is kind of wild. He does have Cleveland and Milwaukee next. You're going to say, oh, Nick, a lot of called strikes. No, 21% CSW, so yeah. You're starting Justin Steele in those, right? I It's been a very strange season where I have... I, I don't feel that we've seen the best version of Justin Steele yet this year, um, which is really the slider dominating. That was what got him through 2022, and it was a question like, is the fastball good enough? But this year, it's been the fastball that's really been winning games for him. So if the fastball becomes... It stays this really good commanded pitch, and then the slider actually takes that level, that's great. I don't know what we're going to see, but you're starting for those two. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm going to talk about everyone else from Saturday's games. And remember, there is a podcast that's going to come out, I guess, like 30 minutes later um, about this, uh, about Monday or Sunday's games. But we're going to talk all about Saturday's games after this break. Are you ready to step up to the plate and show off your fantasy baseball skills? Check out Underdog's Fantasy 7th Inning Stretch Tournament from now through July 14th, where you can build your dream team and compete against your friends for the $150,000 in total prizes. So what are you waiting for? Visit the link in the episode description and use promo code PITCHERLIST to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Join us in the 7th inning stretch tournament and experience the thrill of fantasy baseball like never before on Underdog. Good luck and may the best team win. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 and older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncp.com gambling.org in Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in New York call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY and in Tennessee call 1-800-889-9789 Tanner Bybee against the Brewers six innings one earned run three hits four walks and seven strikeouts so you love to see the seven strikeouts one earned run six innings Change up excelled at 47% CSW but really he stayed verde and if you don't know this uh, this is what Tanner Bybee says I believe on his Inside of his hat or on his glove, one of the two, I can't remember. But it's all about keeping vertical with his four-seamer, which is obviously good because, yeah, he has a good four-seamer. And we know that he has bad command, but if he's able to stay vertical, like we want him to hit a lot of high lock on that four-seamer. And I love the fact that we know that that's his intent. And he did it in this one. He had eight whiffs on that, and that really opened that door to the changeup staying down. Now, the changeup wasn't always down. And the slider is, uh, it's all over the place. Um, he doesn't have that curve, and uh, I can see it when Bybee gets that fastball up and everything else is down. Like, the Blakestown blueprint is made for Tanner Bybee, and when he's at some point going to lock into that, it might not even be this year, uh, Bybee's going to be really good. But I I don't know if it's going to be next year or never or next start. I don't know. Uh, for right now, we keep holding on to Tanner Bybee because obviously 16 whiffs, 35% CSW. We see the potential there. Reese Olsen is also very interesting. He went against the Twins, got the win, 5.1 innings, one run, four hits, one walk, and nine strikeouts. This was my streaming play on Saturday. So glad it worked out. 13 whiffs with a 36% CSW. He earned a gold, uh, sorry, King Cole. Now, this was the slider game. And I've talked about Olsen because he has 
two fastballs that it actually does really well with, I think. The sinker has a good lateral movement that you can jam right-handers with, and the four-seamer is also a little bit lateral. I don't really think of that as a whiff pitch, but I think he does a good job of going east-west separation with, uh, and also a little bit of southern, uh, uh, so it's kind of like a, uh, not the Imperial Shuttle, the fast likes, but actually like the upside-down triangle. I uh, where it's a change up down slider away and then fastballs inside to right handers right and the change up actually was bad in this one it was zero for seven strikes like it didn't even like work but because the slider was so good at 11 over 33 whiffs that's a 33 percent swing strike rate 48 percent csw well there you go while the four seamer went 11 called strikes and 38 percent csw that's how this worked for reese olsen imagine if he gets the change up back too and now he gets the athletics. Like, I want this. You're getting Reese Olsen. Go get him for that start. I really, really dig that. Uh, oh, I, I apologize. I'm giving you bad information. It's the Rangers next. Don't want that. <laughs> uh, but then I want the athletics after. So you might be able to actually just, if, you, if you're if you like, oh, no, I didn't get Reese Olsen. It's okay. It's the Rangers next. But then circle that start against the athletics 100%. He will be my streamer there. Unless there's someone else. But, I mean, he'll be a probable start for me there, which is crazy. John Gray against the Yankees. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I should have done Suitman for that. Suitman whispers in my ear. Oh, I'm getting here now. Those Rangers instead of the Athletics. John Gray against the Yankees. I was at this game. Uh, five innings, one hundred run, three hits, two walks in four Ks. I, if you've ever been to a ba- baseball game with me, it's kind of funny. There are times when I just want to relax and I don't really like focus what's going on. But then I lock in. And it's so funny because usually when I go to these games, people aren't like in tune with John Gray and what he does or the fact that like it's a 2-0 count after trying to throw two sliders and he misses with both. So obviously he's going to throw a fastball with John Carlos Stanton or something like that, right? And I'm like shaking in my chair being like, oh my gosh, what is this next pitch going to be? And they're like, what are you doing, Nick? Why are you like so tense right now? Um, but anyway, John Gray was at 96 in the four-seamer, but the slider wasn't good. It was four out of 35 whiffs. And this... Uh, I'm worried about John Gray. I said it before. He was in rhythm. He was in. It was peak John Gray. And then it's always what it always happens to him is that there's some obstacle. Whether it's the IL. Um, in this situation, it was a blister that made him skip a start, so he didn't pitch in ten days. Then he went against the Blue Jays, got rocked, and didn't have his good stuff. And then he went against the Yankees here and did not have his good stuff. Right. I mean, the velocity is there, but the command was not. And that's what matters more with uh, John Gray is command. Of the slider and the in the fastball, and that's both not here. Good news is that he gets the Tigers next. So John Gray, we hold on to that. We don't really feel like, oh no, it's a gauntlet of uh, of outings, and maybe I want to get ahead of this. No, we start him against the Tigers, and we cross our fingers that he gets back into rhythm there, and it makes us feel good after. James Paxton went against the White Sox, was looking good until he had left with a knee injury. And this is something that apparently was bothering me in the previous start. And he pitched through and he was, he said, it's fine. He said that he's okay. He's like, it's all right. I'm going to be, you know, maybe I'll just like take an extra days off or something. But he doesn't expect an IL, which is good. They just want to be a little cautious here. Fine. Please be all right. I know everyone's like, oh, well, this is what I knew about James Paxton. Well, you got all these great starts for the price of free. So that's cool. And you never know. Uh, you never know. So hopefully he's just back in like a week or something like that and we're still good. And not to mention, it's the all-star break. So I think a lot of times you're going to see these guys who are weird at the moment, uh, who are going to get a little bit extra rest because it is the all-star break. So if you see someone like James Paxton, I wouldn't be shocked if they just said, you know what, return at the all-star break, rest your knee or something. 
or they might like schedule it out so that he can get you can pitch in the next game and then get another like extended amount of rest, right? Uh, Ryan Walker against the Diamondbacks. It was an opening for the Giants. We move on. Shamanai tossed 20 pitches. Uh, so, yeah. If anyone's really investing in Shamanai, just stop. Cool? Great. Uh, Max Scherzer against the Phillies. Ace is going to ace here. Eight strikeouts and in six innings, two and runs, seven hits, whatever. 40% CSW on the slider is really good to see. Jose Brios is still doing his wonderful things. It's actually kind of interesting. The four-seamer was the least featured pitch, but it still was thrown a decent amount. Um, and he did really well against the Athletics. Eight strikeouts here, two in runs in six innings. The changeup came alive, which was cool. Uh, we keep going with the great Fundulator now. Not the Undulator, the Fundulator. Osvaldo Baido was likely a streaming option for a lot of you that you might have gone with. Did well against the Marlins for 5.2 innings, two in runs, nine hits, zero walks, and five Ks. So he doesn't really have the best combination of stuff. He got a little bit singled out. Um, slider was one for 27 whiffs. But think of it like... Luis Ortiz almost. Um, it's pretty similar, I think. Uh, where Ortiz does have a little bit better stuff, um, but he does have an opportunity, Bido, of just kind of willing his way through a start. And he does get the Brewers, and he threw a lot of strikes here, so maybe that does work out. Matt Waldron is a knuckleballer, and that's really cool, but we don't trust him. And it's sad because Michael Waka uh, needs a little bit of rest with his shoulder fatigue. That might be a situation we might not see him until um, after the All-Star break. I hope he comes back soon because Michael Waka, man... That's a story of a guy who's been trying to get his payday for a while and really have his real breakout. And this looked like it was it with that changeup. And I'm just, oh, I feel so bad for him. Shintaro Fujinami was the opener and did not do his part with four hits and two and runs in 0.2 innings. And Hogan Harris didn't do any better with 4.2 innings of four and runs, five hits, four walks, and six Ks, but it was against the Jays. Now, he does get the White Sox and Detroit next, and that honestly might be decent for your 15-teamers, as Hogan Harris is a kitchen sink guy, who will be open for, which then does open some, I guess, greater chance at a win, is the Athletics, but maybe that is something you want to do. Uh, Dean Kramer against the Mariners won seven innings, three earned runs, five hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. I... He, he, it was interesting. He increased his velocity as he went through this outing. Uh, the cutter was good for 42% CSW, but I don't know. Um, I, I think the Mariners swing out of the zone a little bit too much. I feel like the the whole thing is just weird with Dean Kramer. I don't believe this, the cutter is this good. I don't think the fastball should have performed as well as it did. It wasn't really like the big upstairs thing. Um, but it's the Twins and Yankees next, and I think one of those two should be good. I don't know. Dean Kramer's kind of like a... He's essentially like a Toby almost at this point. Or at least he's trying to be. Okay. Uh, Renal Blanco went against the Dodgers. Six innings, 300 runs, two hits, two walks, and six Ks. That's... What? Uh, Blanco went 54% sliders with a 23% swinging strike rate and 34% CSW across 53 of them. That's insane. And he commanded it super well down and away to right-handers. He had a solid changeup that was not as good, but was pretty, you know, was away from lefties. And then the four-seamer was a sub-60% strike rate with a 13% CSW, so that's why you saw 54% sliders. But hey, keep that slider usage, and then have a better fastball. I actually kind of wonder if that's in. Of course, the Astros just find a way to do this. He does get the Rangers next. You don't want that. But Blanco against Rocky Road after the All-Star break, or actually right before it, could be something that you want to circle as well. Pablo Lopez went against the Detroit Tigers. Six innings, three earned runs, seven hits, one walk, which isn't good. Close to a very poor quality start. But it was 10 strikeouts with 18 whiffs. And the four-seamer is getting elevated. 
This is a pitch that's jumped 20 points from last year in high location to be close to 55% now as opposed to going like middle or down around the 30s before and it's a huge difference from at 30 at a uh, 95 mile per hour velocity the curb stepped up for strikes instead of the slider and the changeup, which was really cool to see i think he essentially found um a, a groove with the curveball and so he decided not to use a sweeper that much i love that that he has another option that could show up on a given night the changeup has been kind of weird it hasn't been as elite of a pitch as we've seen in the past sweeper and changeup both returned just 14 percent csw here but he found a way to, you know, he he went with what worked, and that's really cool. Lance Lynn against the Red Sox had 19 whiffs for a Gallows pole, um, 7 Ks, and he threw a terrible cutter to Cassis, who hit a home run, and it drove him nuts, and it drove me nuts, and that was it. That's really it. A 5.2 innings, 300 runs, 6 hits, 1 walk, and 7 Ks. And uh, we're still in kind of purgatory here. He gets, he gets the Angels and the Jays. And he didn't have his secondaries. Why Lanson had 16 strikeouts is because the curve, the slider, and the changeup all were really good. And this was just four seamers and cutters. So we're kind of back to the same guy he was before. Now, keep in mind, of course, that bad cutter to Casas really was the difference maker of this being a fantastic outing and not one. But uh, it feels a little like, okay, you don't have the thing that you did before, though. So And that felt like a weird peak that won't show up against Angels and the Jays. So we're in this purgatory. Uh, do we hold on to Lancelin or not? Um, Christopher Sanchez against the Mets won five innings, 300 runs, five hits, zero walks, four Ks. He's a lefty that has a sinker that sometimes gets outs and stuff. And, like, I just don't care. I really don't care. I, I don't think Chris Sanchez is the answer. Uh, Freddie Peralta against the Guardians is very disappointing. Yes, I told you. I'm going through all this. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the time that you deserved from yesterday. Uh, the gar- against the Guardians, five innings, 300 runs, four hits, three walks, and five strikeouts. Four seamers really good, but the slider went eight for 20 strikes, and it's annoying. And I feel like Peralta's like right there, and he should be so much better than he is. It's so strange. It really is really, really strange to me. And I feel like he's a good buy low because of this. Um, he doesn't have an injury. The four seamers still really good. Uh, it was a slight tick down and, you know, I, I, I essentially, I remember fielding a question. I was like, oh, I think he's injured because of the slight, slight velocity dip and the command is worse than the breaker. I don't believe that. I'm not going to do that. Um, Bryce Miller had a bad start against the Orioles. 4.1 innings of three earned runs, six hits, three walks, four Ks. And the four seamer just wasn't as good. Five over 53 whiffs. Slider was okay. Not enough to save him. The velocity declined dramatically through the start, and it is a little scary to see that, but he's also done that consistently. And I think over time, Bryce Miller does do better with stamina as he, you know, he works through it, right? This is how you get better. You pitch more, and eventually you develop the stamina, and you don't get fatigued as much. The four-seamers properties are still just so good that I think we need to continue to buy in here on Bryce Miller. There was talk in the chat about Brian Wu versus Bryce Miller because Wu has a really good four-seamer, but Bryce Miller's is just is, is just better. Jordan Lyles isn't good and don't start him. Jared Schuster isn't very good and don't start him. Uh, Graham Ashcraft came back and he's destructive once again. Don't start him. Merrill Kelly did poorly against the Giants and it was really weird because he went just 17% changeups and they were really good and I don't understand why he didn't throw more of them, but whatever. So keep starting Merrill Kelly. It was a bad start. Five runs, 10 hits, two walks, two Ks and five innings. I don't expect that to happen. Don't start Adam Wainwright. Don't start Yanni Chirinos. And don't start Chase Anderson. All right. It's kind of interesting. All the good guys were above and all the bad ones were below today. Um, But right. That is it for Saturday's games. There's going to be another podcast after this. So I'm going to record that now. But that is all for today. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babs be low and your strikeouts high.